Cat and Moose podcast. I'm Cat and I'm Moose. This is a true life podcast where we explore the quirks of being human. Well, hi, Cat. Well, hi, Moose. Well, hey, Sarah. Well, hey, guys. How y'all doing? I'm kind of sleepy today. Yeah, but I think it's because of the the weather has just been like, Wah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like a really beautiful day of sunshine yesterday, and it was just enough to keep me from being completely permanently at the bottom in the murky, moldy, muddy clay like sand trap likes of the pits of despair. Oh gosh, the pits of despair. Yeah. Is that how everybody's feeling today? It's going to be a good episode. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really good about this episode today. How are you, Moose? Um, I am just rocking on over here. (laughs) Do you, have you developed Tourette's? Uh, Maybe it's possible. Um, I used to tell my interns um, that I had Tourette's and (laughs) I would just very dead. You've seen me do this. (laughs) You both have seen me do this with employees, new employees. I'm always like, hey, just heads up. I have Tourette's. Um, So if you just hear me cussing randomly, like that's that's what that is. I probably should not blame my problems on people with Tourette's, but. I can grow from that, can't I? You can. You can grow from just about anything. Have we told our listeners about our trip to New York? Well, we haven't. And that's one of the things that I have written on my list of notes as well, is recapping Cat and Moose podcast trip to New York City, because it was pretty epic. It was really a fun 24 hours. We, we stayed in a cool hotel where the event was, which was nice. And then we went, we talked about on the last episode, going to Budokan and (laughs) Kat, can we talk about some things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about how like there are some areas in life where I just go a little overboard. Like there are just some areas where it's just too much. It's just too much. I'm the same for what it's worth. And you know that about, I mean, that's why our small group of friends work so well together because we all love to splurge every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, so you were like, can everyone just trust me to order? And I was a little hesitant because I don't like anyone having power over me. And yet (laughs) I do love people taking control when I don't want to, but I was like, oh, is she going to get the things I like there? But then I was like, you know what? I'm going in. I trust yeah. her and I'm just going to sit back. And I am pretty sure that there were 15 courses. It, at least 15 courses and each course had at least four plates. So, I mean, it, it was it was it was more food than four people are meant to consume. It really yeah. was. And we did yeah. not consume them. No, no, we did not. And one thing that I noticed that that was either different from the last time I've been there, which has been like five years um, because I hadn't been there since like pre-COVID. Something has changed or I made a mistake. And either of those is very possible. Um, I chose the nicest of the four tasting menus. And there were things on this menu that I have never had before. And I was thinking I was ordering you guys like what 
what I had had before, which I knew was like all the best things. And I think when they brought the whole <laughs> sea bass out onto the table and there was a cooked dead fish laying in front of us, I knew yes. I had made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it was about two feet long. And I was like, oh, I think that's when I knew you made a mistake, too, because we're not. I mean, a hand, maybe every once in a while we'll do fish, but we're not really full fish with the scales on type people. No. no. Um, but it was delicious. We ate almost everything but the sea bass. And we did. you guys tried the sea bass. But it was incredible. And I recommend anyone who goes to New York to eat at Budokan. And really, like, we didn't pay any more for that dinner than we would pay to go to a nice dinner here in Nashville. You know, it was under $200 a person. Yep. And that included all the food, all the the drinks and all of that kind of stuff. And so it I, I mean, yes, that's a lot of money. And when it's a special occasion, it's like, well, that's that's why we have savings accounts. And that's why we that's why we save for things that we want to do that we enjoy. And um, I, I really enjoyed that trip. And one thing that I noticed um, about that trip, and I'm curious about you guys, because we all have or do work in some sort of of um, being in service to people who are in the public eye. Let's put it that way. Like we have jobs that are kind of quote unquote behind the scenes. Like mm -hmm. one of the things that was really uh, noticeable to me is that I am so used to being behind the scenes that being the person who stood in front of the step and repeat and having my picture taken and having the lights in my eyes and having people talk to me that I couldn't see because of the lights and then seeing my picture looking like a plain Jane and not someone who had gone and had a full makeup over before we went there, like I just kind of realized I'm really used to being behind the scenes and it was a really different feeling kind of being in the limelight. Like, how is that for you guys? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the same, like I have had to get on many stages over the years, but it's always a little bit of like a just push through sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting, you know, I mean, we were kind of forced to mingle and talk to people that night and that was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> How was it for you, Sarah? Um, for me, it was kind of, uh, it felt like, uh, reminiscent of past experiences I've had when I was in a band. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think of there's a conference that we would go to every year and, damned if our managers didn't make us go into a room with all these awkward radio people and <laughs> rub elbows. Well, the people aren't awkward. Everyone's awkward. It's very awkward. It's just a very awkward scenario. It's just a giant room and there's a logo on every side of the wall and you stand under your label's logo and then they <laughs> unleash the radio people into the room yeah, and they just come at you like they come at you like the walking dead. Yeah, we're meant to like, talk and and exist like we've known each other forever and no one knows how to do that. And well, that's right, not yeah. true. There are a handful of people who know how to do that and most of us don't. So, um yeah, it true. felt a little like that but not as like PTSD, you know. <laughs> I was Maybe just like, oh yeah, I've done this before. I've been on, you know, in front of these step and repeats and, you know, smile for the camera and then go mingle. The difference was there was booze at this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
in our world, you have to hide that. <laughs> um, I thought one of the cool things was when uh, one of the ladies was telling us to come up to get our picture taken. And she asked us who we were with. And then she was like, oh, I listened to you guys. And we were like, we all went, you do? In unison. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those responses that, like, I don't think was disingenuous. Like, I, yeah. I think that, I think she really, like, when she heard us say the Cat and Moose podcast, like, her eyes got real big. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I listened to you guys. And mm -hmm. we we were all just astounded. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> She's one of our three listens in New York City. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Um, one of my favorite parts of our trip, you guys, is um, I know this about producer Sarah. And when I have these moments with producer Sarah, it it like it finds itself in the deepest, like softest places of my heart. And um, what happened is um, I really advocated for us to go to this used bookstore because I wanted to see if I could find any books on like Taoist philosophy and stuff like that, because that's part of the bodywork stuff that I've been studying. And um, Sarah was just so kind. Like she went and found the section where it was about like the wisdom of the Tao and like all these different kind of books in the section was on the very bottom of the bookshelf in the basement of this bookstore. And Sarah was like, God, come here. Like I found it, which I was so grateful for that. Cause I was like stuck in the mires of the Christianity section going like, is there anything in here <laughs> that like, I haven't already read that I would be interested in and, and all of that. And, and she said, come over here. I found it. And so I went over there and I said, can we just sit here together? Like on the floor? And she said, yes. And like, without any question, Sarah just sat there with me and we went through just about every book in that bookstore that had to do with Taoist philosophy. And it was such a sweet moment with you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it. I love that bookstore, by the way. We were at Strand, which I think is based in Portland. And there's a few in New York, but it was like three levels of oh. goodness. Yes. It was so great. And I didn't buy a thing, which is insane that I didn't purchase a thing. Pretty impressed, actually. Yeah, I'm impressed with that, too. Because I do love to collect books. I bought a lot of things. I bought four different books that had to do with Taoist philosophy. And then I bought two beanies for the people that stayed at my house and watched my dog for me while I was gone. And um, I loved that bookstore. I could have spent hours in there. Mm -hmm. It's really good. And then we ate pizza at a legit Italian restaurant, which they're on just about every corner in there. And it was so good. Ooh, it was good. It was good. I had some New York pizza. Mm -hmm. Delicious. And then we got on planes and went home. It was that quick. Yeah, we were gone for 24 hours, missed maybe a day of work. And I don't know about you guys, but I got plenty of work done while I was there. I was like, this is not terribly different than a normal work day for me. <laughs> I didn't do an ounce of work. <laughs> On the flight home, I did. <laughs> On the flight home, I watched the first movie in the Harry Potter series and I was so excited because I've been wanting to watch Harry Potter <gasps> forever and I, I watched the first movie and I like I, I'm hooked like I gotta I gotta keep watching man I I still have no clue what happens in any of them and I've seen them all now <laughs> not a clue I still think Hobbit is a part of it it's a whole messed up mixed up thing in my head well, Harry Potter makes me think of, you know, that's kind of a 
in some ways, like some people could go, oh my gosh, that's such an old movie. And it's like, well, it's not that old. I think it came out in like 2012 or something like that. But I think it was early 2000s, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah, I think it was like 2001. Okay. Um, Well, one of the things that it made me think of is this kind of recurring theme that keeps coming up for me. And before I talk about what that recurring theme is, I'm curious, do you guys have this phenomenon happen where you um, wake up and there is a random song in your head? Oh, every morning. Okay, Sarah, what was your song today? Do you remember? (laughs) Um, I, I do. And I don't want to say it because I'm making a lyric video for it. And it's just on repeat (laughs) in my head. I I think that's a good idea. Uh, I can't even think there's, it's so random every day. And there was a while there was, there's a a time period that went by where I would literally like make a note of it every day and just see Mm -hmm. if there was any like commonality or some sort of theme. And I gave up on that. But what? What? Tell me. <laughs> tell me more about yours. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm curious, Moose. Do you wake up with a song in your head, or do you get a song in your head every day? No, not every day. I usually hear Sarah singing a song throughout the house, but um, no, I don't. I have a lot of dreams, but I don't have a song of the day. Oh well, dreams. I had another. I couldn't find anywhere to shit. Dream. <laughs> oh my god. Last night, I feel like my entire night of sleep was filled with dreams about me not being able to find a toilet where I could poop. We haven't talked about this yet on the podcast, but this is your second time, and I told yeah. you what it is. It means yeah. you need to let go of some shit. Literally. Right. Right. It it means. Yeah, it means I need a lot of metal energy work. I need lung and large intestine work and I need to let go of some shit. Nobody knows what that means except for you. So you might have to explain. Well, okay. Well, (laughs) the organs associated with the metal element in five element theory are the lung and or the lungs and the large intestine. And emotionally, the large intestine has to do with like letting go and the lungs have to do with like taking in, receiving and then letting go. And, And a lot of times associated with grief. Um, is, is what those organs are associated with. So um, I have been having dreams that have been screaming at me loudly <laughs> going, you need to let go. I don't know what I'm supposed to be letting go of. I do, but we'll talk about that off mic. Oh. <laughs> okay. I got plenty of ideas of things you need to let go of. Okay. Well, where I was headed with all of this is that um, watching an old movie, I started thinking about how like there might be some people that go, oh my God, it's so old. And I started thinking about how this recurring thing keeps coming up with me of old tapes. Hmm. And old tapes for me are like the, you are dumb, you are fat, you are stupid, you're not worthy. It's like, those are kind of all of my, you know, my neuropathways that have been built. And one, one day when I was an infant, they served me somehow. And I don't, I can't figure that out because my mom was amazing and all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, one of the things that, that I noticed this week is I went out to dinner with a, a relatively new friend. And this friend is someone who is a, a colleague and a peer of mine, like you guys are. And um, she's someone around whom I I just really feel confident 
confident around. Like I, I feel really like, Hey, like I'm almost as cool as she is. And like, she's really got her shit together and wait a minute. So do I. And this is a really great feeling. Um, and I noticed that at one point, as I was saying something to her, one of my old tapes came up of going like, you're dumb, you're stupid. And as my, um, statement came out of my mouth that basically said, like, I'm probably stupid and don't really know what I'm talking about, comma, but I realized that the repetition of that old tape actually felt uncomfortable. Oh, good. Praise the Lord and the heavens for that. Yeah. So what did you do? I, I, I just expressed what I was really feeling of that. Like I've, you know, embarked on this thing. I've, I've really been able to figure out, um, in these past couple of months, how to incorporate, um, my passion for body work and healing and stuff like that for people, um, that are in and around the music industry. And I've also been able to balance that with my job that I've had for the past 20 some odd years, you know, and I've been finding a way to rhythmically make that work where I'm not giving less of a hundred percent of myself to either of the things. And, um, it just felt really good to just kind of say like old tapes, like you can move over. Like it's actually weird and uncomfortable mm -hmm. if you show up here because it, it's, I'm not used to you being here anymore and being on, on repeat like you have been. And I just wondered if you guys had any things like that going on in your life lately. Hmm. I definitely do. I, I, um, I'm on the train that thoughts are not real as we've talked about here before. Um, and <clears throat> that they simply reflect what else is going on, maybe inside of you often they're not even real period. They're not truth. And so I am starting to recognize, um, more and more when I have that thought, I think the key is stopping and like going, oh, what's going on right now? Because it's usually a feeling underneath that thought, right? Of like, mm. I feel insignificant or I don't feel like I belong or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm with you on that. I also have a dream that I need interpretation for that happened last yesterday. Ooh, okay. So I'm at this industry event and <clears throat> there is a band playing at it. And I was leaning over to talk to someone to tell them something about what was happening on stage and this key industry person who's a friend of mine but in the dream didn't matter gets the mic and off to the side stops what's happening and calls me out and says do you mean to be interrupting right now and it was sort of sarcastic and this person is my friend so this is a dream doesn't reflect on her and um <clears throat> and I got so embarrassed but then I was like embarrassed and then pissed off. So that is important. Like I was like mm -hmm. embarrassed and then I was like defensive of myself of like everybody else in here is whispering to someone else. Why am I getting called out? And then I got up and I was like, so my way of dealing with it was to leave the room. <laughs> Mainly because mm -hmm. the whole room turned around to hear that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So there's that piece of it. And so the whole room looks at me. I get up. I grab my bag in the back of the room and I leave and I go and I sit in my car. And in this dream, I just was very incredibly embarrassed. I don't get that way that often for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. So it was a little interesting mm -hmm. that, that that had happened. Oh, one other thing. The other person who was running the event, also a friend, 
um, as I was leaving, I was kind of looking for like eye contact that maybe they handled it wrong, you know? And so I'm looking around like, did anyone else think that was a little much? And I see this other friend of mine who's running the event and she just gives me the biggest middle finger <laughs> as, I, as I'm leaving the room. And I couldn't believe it. Like, what in the world? like it was clear everyone was mad that I had interrupted the event. And so my response to that, like a mature adult, was to give a middle finger to the entire room. <laughs> so that being said, I go to my go to my car and I'm sitting in my car and somehow Sarah comes along and gets in the car with me and she just sits with me, which was very nice. Like it wasn't like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I kept looking at my phone and I couldn't believe nobody wasn't texting me <laughs> and saying like, that was not okay. That was uh-huh. weird. Are you yeah. okay? Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. And so I text the two friends that the one that called me out in the dream and the other one that gave me the middle finger and you know, these people cat. Okay. Okay. And so I text them exactly what happened and just said, you know, I, I need to tell you guys what happened last night. And my friend was like, you forget that I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which is not confrontational usually. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, I probably would have done that. And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> but it was so interesting because I think it has a, there's a bigger unpacking that needs to happen there. Um, mainly based on nobody taking care of me. (laughs) I was thinking as you were telling your story about how, like, uh, all I want to do is like make my response about you. And what keeps coming to my mind is where was I, where was I in your dream? Because I would have, well, I was, I was waiting for you to say, why didn't you get in the car too? I knew you were going to say it. (laughs) Why wasn't I in your dream? And it's like, I, I almost lied and said you and Sarah came and got in my car. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. No, don't But I totally knew that's what you were going to ask. So good job getting it out of the way. Next time I will cast you in my dreams. But until then, do you guys have any ideas on what the hell that was about? Well, I, I think that you have a lot of frustrations with our industry as, as we all do, as, as anybody who is in the industry that we're in and listens to our podcast regularly, I think it's safe to say that there are frustrations that we collectively have about being in our industry. And so I think that because you are a mover and a shaker and a changer, there are moments where you do kind of like stick a stick in the wheel in, 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 in stop the wheel from turning and go like, Hey guys, everybody stop and let's do something different. And then there are people in the industry who don't want anything to change. Oh, who no. really resist that. And they don't like me. Like, I mean, you have to remember, <laughs> you know, when I won my first award in 2007 in an industry that's full of I mean, it was different back then, too, guys. Like, this was pre-Trump era, pre-pandemic. So it wasn't so left and right as it is now. Mm -hmm. So 2007. Mm -hmm. And I get on stage with some really fantastic women who I was extremely um, proud to stand next to. Um, And I had won this award for the best promoter of that year. And, And I say, you guys realize I'm a Democrat, right? And I don't know where that came from. I didn't plan it. I didn't think I was going to win at all. And so I've always sort of been that one that 
shakes things up. The fact that being a Democrat would shake something up now is hilarious to me. And luckily I'm, I've, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but what, what I'm getting at is you're right. And there are people who love me for it. And there are people who avoid me because it makes them extremely uncomfortable. And I get that. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. But also I think you're right. I think it's a representation of how I feel like an outsider. Well, and and I think like what I immediately want to ask you is like, if that's a representation of how you feel like an outsider, like where do you feel that in your body? In my hara. In your hara. So like kind of in that area below your belly button. It's in like, I'm not sad about it. I used hmm. to be sad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sad about it anymore. I'm four, I'm 44 years old. I, I don't have space to be sad about not being hmm. received by some people. Mm-hmm. I think the, the justice and the frustration of not being understood, that's where I feel it in my horror. Yeah. 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 I mean, that sounds super legit. And does that give you any sort of like energy or impetus to like, to act, to do something? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's no surprise here that, I mean, here's the thing. I love what I do and I actually love the people I get to work with. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that is hard for me is I, I, I can't, I have to like tiptoe around all of these really um, outdated in some ways, thoughts and opinions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not outdated to other people, but for me, it, it doesn't, it's not a part of my value system. How a lot of these people believe some of them are great, you know, and it doesn't mean I don't appreciate them as humans, but yeah, I think it has to be a springboard, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a really good springboard. I was um, watching the national news last night, which I I haven't done in a really long time, but it was a Saturday. Like I had a really kind of chill day and I was watching the news and they were talking about how um, former president Trump had visited New Hampshire and I think like South Carolina, I believe, because they're early voting states and they were interviewing people who showed up at his rallies. And these were people who looked like me who sounded like me, who had like seemingly like really intelligent opinions. And they were talking about why it was so important to them that they offered support to Trump in this season. And I just thought to myself, like, I think this is one of the first times in my life where hearing an opposing view of something like opposing from what I believe is so not understandable to me. Yeah. Like, like normally I can go like, Oh, well you believe that. And I don't believe that. And I can at least see where you're coming from. Sure. You know, like there are a lot of, and I really strive for that. Like I want to be that kind of person in, in general. And even in this topic, dare I say, it's like, I want to be able to sit with someone that I vehemently disagree with and go like, I at least can appreciate where you're coming from. And I was just realizing last night that I couldn't, you know? And, And it's like, I think that, um, that, That is something that as a modern American society and even a global society right now that we're all really struggling with. And I think we don't know how to do it. Yeah. I get, well, (laughs) 
<laughs> we are definitely more separate than we have ever been, I think. Um, and that's really hard. Like, I mean, there's so much we, I can't, I can't put it in a bucket and go understand it now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just mm -hmm. like what you're talking about, it's like, I think I tried so hard for so long to believe that as long as we hurt each other, we were going to be mm -hmm. okay. But yeah. I'm with you. Everything I'm hearing sometimes, and this isn't all Republicans or anything like that. No, I don't mean, no. I don't mean that as like people who are Republican or people who are Trumpers even, but I just feel like I, I have to throw my hands up and be lost in the mystery of it a little mm -hmm. because I don't know how to, to ingest it all. Yeah. And I think that going back to your dream, I think that your dream really like metaphorically articulates that. Yeah. You know, is that it's like, okay, like I've got to interrupt the cycle, at least in my own mind and be able to go like, what's going on? And sometimes you need support to be able to do that. You know, having a, having someone who is normally a really good friend and colleague grab the mic and be like, why are you interrupting everything? It's like, wait, this is so uncomfortable and, and so weird, you know? And, um, I, I really have a lot of admiration and respect for you, um, questioning that and dealing with it. And, um, I'm really curious, like, how did the dream end? Um, honestly, like the, the, the end of it was just that, um, even though the people I expected to kind of show up for me and I'm saying that in quotes and, um, may not have shown up, but Sarah was representation of people that do mm -hmm. people that are there. And I mm -hmm. know that you would be a part of that too, Kat, even though you weren't <laughs> the damn car. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe there's some shit that we got to work through that you don't think I would <laughs> I show up so. in the hard times, man. No, I have no <laughs> doubt that if I got kicked out of that room or chose to left that room, that your ass would have been right behind me. You've always been right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have had the bass drum like bong, bong, bong. I would have stolen it and like bang that drum all the way out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So, uh, I gotta say that, um, that, that dream really sort of haunted me for about a day and, um, and it's been good. It's been good to digest and it's not all, it's not obvious. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm taking it with a grain of salt. So it's not like it was real. And I know that my two friends that were in the dream were not against me. I know that. But, uh, soon after that, Sarah texted me this little meme from social media and it's a, it's a little post-it note that someone laminated, which I love. And all it says, and I just want to encourage people who may feel like you don't belong anymore somewhere, but, but are looking for what's next. Um, <clears throat> and this, this says, uh, one day you will tell your story about how you overcame what you went through, and it'll be someone else's survival guide. Mm -hmm. And that was just such a good little reminder that like, yeah. keep going, keep going. Hmm. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I love that it encourages vulnerability. Absolutely. And, um, if we're going along the lines of, of vulnerability, um, I am really curious, like, have you guys been doing any more experimental drugs or anything? <laughs> no. That was the most crafted question I have ever experienced. And I loved it. Uh, let me think. Um, 
as far as ketamine or anything like that, I haven't yeah. done ketamine in a minute. Mm-hmm. I still, I still have one session left. I just haven't done it. Um, but no, I haven't really explored any drugs lately. How about you? No, not really. I mean, I enjoyed visiting the first and only, at least currently, legal dispensary in New yes. York City when we were in New York City. And so, we did do that. Um, so that was really interesting. I bought the stuff that I bought there, and um, now it like sits in this drawer in my house, and it just kind of glares at me. Oh, really? I mean, it's really the best. So what Kat is referring to is the strain of... MJ called Blue Dream, which in everyone's opinion that happens to be on this podcast is the absolute what's the what's the champagne? I, I actually have a bottle of it somewhere that my first number one I, I got. What is that? It's like Don Don Perion or something. Oh no, Don Perion. Don yeah, Perion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think Blue Dream is the Dom Perignon. If you're gonna, if you're gonna slip into the uh, what what strains are the most um, uh, creative and yeah. mind-boggling. Well, I was I was talking to um, actually a client the other day, and this client was sharing with me that um, she was like, you know, I know that it's kind of frowned upon in a lot of the circles that we run in. She's like, but I really enjoy, you know, partaking of this stuff. And she said, I really appreciate that it makes my body feel like I have no bones. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a shared person in our life that I for maybe you'll remember the phrase. Do you know who I'm talking about? Not yet. That, okay. Uh I believe she had a gummy once and and described it as her leg was like gumby. It was like just jelly. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never experienced that. Yeah. It's like, what's that? What's that strain? Let me try it. Yeah. Um, so talking about that makes me think about plants. I took all my plants outdoors last week because we had a lot of rain here in Nashville and the weather was relatively warm. And then we had this like freak it. Well, it's not freakish cause it's January, but we had this freeze overnight and it just about zapped all of my outdoor indoor outdoor plants and it made me think of you Sarah and I wanted to know like do you have any plant adventures lately like what's going on with your terrarium at your house oh man Uh, my plants are in desperate need of my attention and it's actually kind of sad because I've um I've equated my yard and my time in the garden to like self-care and time alone and self-investment and these kinds of things. And it's just kind of a pretty bad correlation or maybe a good one that's showing me that I'm not tending to those things right now. And so mm-hmm. I, the, the very least I'm doing is like watering the plants, which is, you know, keeping them alive. And, yeah. you know, if you're, if we're correlating it to my own self, uh, nurture and all of these, it's, uh, I'm, barely doing the same for myself um yeah so no new adventures but I feel I feel ready to start pruning and prepping for spring and you know all of these things you know we we probably have talked about this before but in the Martha Beck coach training um they teach us this this thing called the living space tool and it basically is like if you have a client who can't seem to get to what is bugging the heck out of them you can start by saying, 
tell me about a space in your house that you'd like to improve. Hmm. And the whole point is that so much of our life is a reflection of what's happening on the inside. Hmm. And I remember doing it for the first time to your, to your point, Sarah, of like, maybe this is what's really going on inside of me. And I did it. I did it around the main corridor in my house, which is just a big hallway. And there's always Amazon boxes and, you know, it's sort of the catch all of like, this is going in or out. And, um, and it was interesting because it was cluttered. And I realized at that time in my life, when I was doing it around that, it was just dead on everything else I was feeling. I need, it needed swept. Mm. It needed, and it was all in relation to not feeling organized in my own life, you know, or even internally mm. not knowing what the right mm-hmm. priority was. And so I love that you went ahead and compared it to what might be going on inside of you. Cause that's a real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. And it reminds me of, um, it reminds me of trauma, like things that happen in our lives, like your dream moose and like you're realizing Sarah, like, oh my gosh, I'm barely taking care of my plants. So that might be a metaphor or a sign that I'm barely taking care of myself. And, um, as you guys know, and a lot of our listeners know, um, we're a huge fan of the folks that run a holistic healing center here in Nashville called Hazel house. Mm -hmm. And Hazel house is offering a 12 week group therapy thing on Wednesdays from five to six 30. Um, that's basically like a trauma group. So it's basically like, Hey, you guys can come in here and you can find a safe place. Like after we start the group, there won't be new members entering because we want it to be like a really safe space. And it is being facilitated by a friend and colleague of mine, Tara Booker. And we've talked about her on the podcast before. And so I just wanted to put that out there that starting February 15th, there is a group therapy trauma group group happening at Hazel house. And if you're interested in that, we can put more information on our resource page. And I'm hoping that that is helpful for some people as we enter into the season of spring, where we move from being in hibernation, being self-reflective from being quiet, from it being dark all the time to a time when we really explode and growth and, um, energy and color and all of that. Like, I think it's a really good time to unpack some of our shit so that is our public service announcement for the week (laughs) so i just um you know i love a good headline um i feel like if 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 cat brings the the um five element theory to the podcast i bring the weird news yeah so this week's headline sarah please give me some good news music The school's favorite lunch lady busted selling special brownies to kids. (laughs) So I saw this first on CNN, but this is my favorite um, article I found on it. It's from uh, apparently the classic rock station in Louisiana uh, where this happened. I cannot pronounce this parish name. Does anyone else know how to say it? Let's see. um, Tangigaf. Fahoa Parish. <laughs> All right, let's go with that. So a cafeteria worker at Tangigipoa Parish in Louisiana <laughs> was arrested after she was caught selling homemade baked goods laced with marijuana to students. <clears throat> the stoner kids would deem this woman the coolest lunch lady ever, but the school <laughs> staff and police would not feel the same. So there she is. If you are a patron, you can see our Zoom and... She doesn't look happy. She's still in her scrubs. 
Yeah, she doesn't. Now, here's what I want to know is <laughs> is if she's unknowingly, well, not unknowingly, if these children are unknowingly partaking, I do think that that's not cool. I would imagine everyone's in the know is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think she was selling it to them. I think so. I, at first, I thought, felt that way, too. I was like, not cool. I mean, it's not cool regardless. These kids are underage. But if you read further, there was an anonymous tip sent to Crime Stoppers. So I want to point out that a kid narked on the lunch lady. <laughs> of course. And so some kid who's probably a straight A student was like, uh, and I was that person, but totally narked on her. I wouldn't narc. But my favorite part of this article is as you scroll down, you're like, oh, that's an interesting article. But then... It says people around the quad cities give their jail experience a review. This is the next article on the same page. A Yelp review of jail. Yes. It's incredible. Wait till you read these Scott County jail review. Two out of five stars. Scott County, Iowa cops were not messing around, but they didn't make me sleep in the drunk tank. Nice padded chair, but wasn't allowed to lie down. So eight hours later, it was a long ass night. Here's another one. Zero out of five stars. The old Rock Island County was disgusting. The food was nasty as can be. (laughs) Once was all it took. Never made a reappearance. (laughs) And it goes on and on. Rock County, Rock Island County, the toilet would not flush. I mean, they're, they're leaving reviews like a hotel. The toilet could, wouldn't, would not flush in the holding cell I was in. And they lacked a sense of humor during my body search. I just wanted dinner first. Zero out of 10. I will not be back. Oh my gosh. That is just amazing. Like there are Yelp reviews on prison. Wow. So, hey, I like that guys that said at least kept me from going back. Like, right. I got it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Make it as bad as possible. So nobody wants to go back. I think that's a really good methodology. I do want to point out before you go further that I'm the only one that's never been arrested on this podcast. I just wanted... (laughs) I've been in the back of a cop car, but I was not officially arrested. So mm-hmm. that's a thing. Do I get a trophy for that? Yes, you get a not arrested trophy. Sarah, <laughs> what were you arrested for? Not paying um, a speeding ticket. They came and got me at my house and took me right down to the P. Did they let you put your bra on? Barely. I like had to <laughs> beg them to let me get out of my pajamas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Cuffed me and everything. Guys, pay your parking tickets and your speeding. Yeah, I, I, when I applied for my license as a massage therapist, I almost got shut down because I had technically had a misdemeanor. How did um, you never tell us this? I, I just, I, because it was so traumatic. Like Aww. I didn't like, but I basically had to go and find like public record of what happened. And this is the whole thing where it's like my license plate was expired and I hadn't paid a speeding ticket. And they took my ass to jail on the same night that I picked up one of the singers from Wilson Phillips for a meeting. I mean, it was so epically horrific. They picked you up at the car wash that you were cleaning out your car on the way to get them at the airport. Because what you do when you go pick up a VIP client is you take 
your red 1997 Jeep Liberty and you drive to the airport. Hey, there is no shame in that. You were trying to clean that thing out. I was. I was trying to clean it up. And so, yeah, Sarah, you and I both, man, like we were we were locked up. We're criminals. It's okay. terrible. Could you guys give like a PSA for like maybe what people could do in your in your situation? Like anything come to mind? I never actually went into a cell. They just like booked me. I had to put on like one of those like orange shirt things and take a picture. You did? You did? Wait, can we find this photo? Oh, maybe. Ah, I'm going to look it up. You have a mug shot. I have a mug shot. Yes. So take a picture and then I paid my bill and they let me out the back door. Yeah, that's It's pretty much what happened to me too, except I was never put in a suit. And I just remember the, the person who was the security guard at the time. Um, I'm just going to say she was real scary. That's all. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, guys, pay your tickets. Okay, so at the very beginning of our conversation, I asked you guys about songs that may or may not have been in your head, and I didn't get to talk about the songs that have been in my head. Well, Kat, I was waiting for you to get there. Okay, Kat. My narcissistic little self that needs recognition, Moose, even in your dreams. I thought you just cared about songs in our head, but now (laughs) here we are. Everyone is, is on the edge of their seat. <laughs> Please tell us what song has been in your head. Everyone has just hit stop on the podcast and said it's enough for this week. Thank you so much. Don't worry, Kat, Sarah edited it out so they never heard this part. <laughs> it's fantastic. We, we know Thank where you. each other's buttons are. And we yeah, push we them. do. Just push them, man. <laughs> That's amazing. The song that was in my head when I got up this morning was the Culture Club song, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Oh. Do you really want to hurt me? Do you really want to make me cry? <laughs> Wait, what, is, what did they say? Well, I've got an even better one that entered into my head later in the day, if that... Oh, well, wait. Okay, go ahead. What was after that? Well, the one that entered into my head later in the day really has caused me pause. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the beginning of the VeggieTales theme song. Nope, not doing it. Do Won't you play that. like no, to no, no, talk no, to no, tomatoes? No, no, Do no. You Seriously, I feel like I'm yelling at my dog you right now. Smile. No, <laughs> no bark. <laughs> producer Sarah Reed. To find out more, go to catandmoosepodcast.com. Cat and Moose is a BP production.